Good morning, everyone. Oh, you guys sound good. Hey, in just a moment, I want to introduce you to two groups of people that are really very fortunate um, this Christmas. They don't have the problems that I do. See, this Christmas, Jill and I have a challenge. We got to figure out what we're going to do, what kind of gifts we're going to buy, how big the TV is going to be, what we're going to plan for our kids. The group of people that I'm going to introduce you to, both of them, they don't have any of the challenges that Jill and I have about what to do in terms of buying gifts and how we're going to spend our time and where we're going to go and what we're going to eat. They don't really have those challenges. These folks have a different set of obstacles in their life. In fact, I want to show you a couple of pictures. Guys, I don't know which ones you have first, but why don't you just start with some of those pictures I got. Throw the first one out. Let me tell you what this building is right here. This building is the administrative building for the Smoky Mountain Children's Home. This is an organization that as a church we're partnering with as they service over 200 kids in residence and over 600 kids through foster care and adoption every year. And as a church, what we're going to do for them is we're going to buy one month's supply of food for this organization. They don't have any government money coming in to take care of that. They don't have a sponsoring denomination that spends, that sends money into them. None of that happens. They rely on a group of good-hearted people and churches to send them food and money and supplies. Go ahead and show the next picture here, guys. Uh, this is just a little bit of what the grounds look like. You can see right there, Smoky Mountain Home for Children. Go ahead and go to the next slide there. This is one of the little cabins that the children live in. It's really a, a house. It's kind of divided in half by that large room you see there with the stones on it. That's like a living room kitchen. Then on each wing, you have girls or boys, and then they have house parents. And we're going to buy food for these house parents to serve to these kids in these, well, they call them cottages, but you can see they're kind of like homes. By the way, a month's worth of food for this organization, for the on-residence students, the in-residence um, children who live there with these house parents, it's $10,000. And so we're going to do that for them this Christmas as a part of our Build Lives campaign. Go ahead and show uh, the next slide, please. This is just some work being done on, a, uh, on one of the cottages there. And this summer, you're going to have an opportunity if you want to take a few days off work. And instead of going just to the Smokies to have fun, you can go down to Gatlinburg with this church and you can help serve uh, this organization and get a little sweaty beyond just giving um, some money to them. Go ahead and show the next one if you don't mind, guys. Uh, this is just some of the kids there in front of one of the homes playing on a slip and slide, um, one that they made themselves. Uh, you can see with some tarp, uh, some plastic and some stuff. Anyway, we're going to help these guys. Do you have one more from, from this organization? I'm not sure, guys. Yeah, this is actually one of the homes. You see um, the diversity of students or children there, rather, and uh, the host parents are there as well. And they take kids everywhere from birth all the way through like, you know, 16 years old. And they come from all over the country. And it's just our honor. You have probably, if you've been to Gatlinburg, driven by this organization and didn't notice it. I think there's one more picture here. Yeah, this is a girl. A couple more. There you go. There was a girl that you saw on the ropes course. They do that in the first month of orienting every child who comes onto their campus to live in. And it's the first time that for many of them, they, they get a chance to experience what it is to trust someone else, and they put them on this high ropes course. You can see their ropes course right there from the main drag as you go through Sevierville into Pigeon Forge and onto Gatlinburg. God has softened our hearts for this organization, and as a part of our Build Lives campaign, we're going to help these kids who don't have to figure out how big a TV to buy or what they're going to do or what they're going to eat. Um, they don't have those challenges like we do. Now, there's a second group of people that we're going to help. We have an ongoing relationship with these folks. These, this is a church and orphanage in Kerala, India. I'm so excited that God has kept our relationship active and current. And I want to show you some of these pictures. This is the church that we built last year. 
uh, for this organization. You can see there the finished front. Uh, I'm told that in the area, it's like the largest and nicest church. And over the course of the year, we finished out some bathrooms and paid for some fans. They don't have air conditioning there. You can see the roof is all open. We took care of this. Guys, go ahead and show them the next pic here. This is like the congregation assembled inside. You can see how lavish and uh, extreme uh, the decoration is there. One of those chairs are like four ninety five at Walmart or something like that. And a lot of times you actually see them sitting on the floor. But they they love this facility. It has helped Pastor James, who leads the congregation and orphanage, to expand the ministry base. And it says to their community that there's a group of people who love Jesus and are serious about the cause of Christ. And people all over the region who are in need come here. Uh, widows and orphans come and they get served in the name of Jesus here. Uh, go ahead and show them the next picture if you don't mind. Gentlemen, this is just gives you a sense of the size of the room and some of the guys there um, taking care of it. And one more photo, photo here. Um, you can see uh, some of the girls in the orphanage there. And then you see uh, some of the members of this congregation um, there in the back row who were there this summer doing some work as well. These are the folks who practically we're going to be helping Again, now this year, what we're going to do for them is we're going to give them money to expand the facility of the orphanage. They're actually going to add more room so they can take care of more girls. Um, you know, there is just like, a, well, there's just an attack on females in India right now. And folks and families would rather have boys. And so there are a lot of orphan girls. And so we're just going to help them take care of more of them. Go ahead and show them the next picture here, if you don't mind. And we're also going to replace these. This is a mattress. Um, it's, it's, it's a little old, it's worn, and it's not really made out of the stuff that we enjoy. It's made out of this kind of fiber here, and we're going to be replacing them with an upgrade um, throughout the entire orphanage. So both expanding the facility and replacing uh, these um, mattresses. This is a room that they use to kind of wash and change clothes in. This is actually the space that we're going to be expanding. They call it their washroom, but it's going to allow them to have more girls as they take some of this space and provide more beds, and then it gives them more privacy. Let me tell you something, friends. God's heart is for everyone, but he has a special place, the book of James tells us, for widows and for orphans. And as a church, we have rallied around children as a primary cause. Now, you have in your cup holder there not only a Connect card that Greg told you about, but a commitment card. And for people who call Four Corners home, we're using this to build lives. We're using that commitment card to build our future facility. You'll hear a little bit more about that next week. But we're using it also to make sure that we remember that it's really all about building lives. As Jesus has changed us, we want to help other people be changed by his power. And I thought you would be energized by seeing exactly where your money is going. So when you give to build lives, it helps us, of course, build our building. But it helps us pragmatically give some of the first dollars to these two organizations around the world and a little closer to home. And I thought that you would like to know this. I know that our Heavenly Father is pleased when people give a portion of what He's blessed them with back for Him to do His work. All right, so with all that said now, I want to turn our attention to uh, a story in the Bible that you've probably heard of. But I want to take you behind the scenes. If you have a Bible with you, Matthew chapter 2. If you don't, the words will be behind me on the screen. This is a story that you probably have heard about. It's the story of the time that the wise men or the magi came to visit the baby Jesus. We don't know exactly the timing of this and how old Jesus was when this happened. Was he a few hours old, a few days old, a few years? We don't really know. All we know, it was early on in the story of Jesus coming. And these wise men had come from the east to pay 
homage to the person that they believed would be the king of the Jews. Let me read you the first verse in Matthew chapter 2 and see if it doesn't ring any bells for you. Here's what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Now, Herod was an interesting fellow. He was really a puppet king. He didn't have a lot of autonomy on his own. He operated at the goodwill of the Roman Empire. He was in bed, so to speak, with the powers that be. And they said to him, we'll let you retain your title, but you pretty much have to give us the promise that you'll maintain peace in your little troublemaking area. And if you can maintain peace, we'll let you be king. We're going to come in and take our taxes. You'll get a cut of that. And, you can re- and so Herod liked this position. He felt good about the arrangement. And he wanted it to be that way. So in the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Why would they go to Jerusalem instead of Bethlehem? It's the capital city. It's where anybody of importance would be. They went to Jerusalem where the palace was, and they asked this question. Now listen to this question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now this is a problem because Herod is the king of the Jews, and he has a son who wants to be king of the Jews, and they have come unannounced and announced to the king that we saw this star risen in the east. We saw this massive sign that there was a new king of the Jews being born. You can imagine if you were Herod or you were Herod's progeny that this would be a problem for you. Somebody's about to come in and upset the arrangement. We've seen his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then the Bible says in verse 3, when Herod, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Now, do you know what he begins to do? Without me reading the verses, you can check it out for yourself. He enacts a plan where he says to the wise men, you go and find this baby, and then you come back and tell me where he is, because he's not in Jerusalem. The wise men set off to do that, and Herod kicks in a plan where he says, I've got to take care of this baby. In his mind, the wise men would come back and tell him where the baby was, and then he would go find this baby, and he would take care of it of the situation. He'd make sure that that child that they were talking about wouldn't in any way jeopardize his political arrangement, his position of power and prestige. So the wise men go off to find this baby and they see the baby and they worship the child. The Bible tells us they bring him some gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They have meanings in them. But bottom line is he was being treated like royalty, even as an infant, even as a child. These wise men from the East who aren't in their religious heritage, so to speak, who don't really know all that's going on, they begin to worship him as a king, a king that he would rise to be later on in his, in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. He would be not only the king of heaven, but the king of earth itself. Well, they didn't go back to Herod and tell Herod where the baby was. And you can imagine that this is going to frustrate Herod. While all the drama is going on, God comes to Joseph, the man entrusted to take care of the baby Jesus. In fact, in verse 13, here's what it says. When they, the wise men, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he says, get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Get out of town. Get out of here. There's some challenges coming your way. And stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Whoa. Brutal stuff. Herod, in fact, you're going to find out, sends a group 
to Bethlehem. He called in a group of people and said, where's this child going to be born? They searched the scriptures and they found prophecy that said that he'd be born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. So Herod sends a band of soldiers to Bethlehem and he begins to kill all the little boys under the age of two just to make sure that if there's any child. And in anticipation of this, an angel of the Lord warns Joseph and they go and they hide out in Egypt and they wait. Verse 16, here's what it says. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old or under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now, let me just pause here for a second. This could be just another Christmas story. But let me tell you something. It's not. It's not just another little fairy tale-like story. There is something profound going on here. Something, there's a truth going on here that speaks not just in the time of the story. It speaks in our day, 2,000 years later. It is a profound, alive truth that this Christmas season, I think God would like us to be remembering that he would like to remind us a truth about himself and his world and the way he acts in this world that I think here in our day can speak life into us, that can speak hope. I don't know what your situation is, but I want you for just a moment to put that on hold and think about Mary and Joseph for just a second. Mary and Joseph were on a wild ride. I mean, God comes to Mary one day and says, hey, you're blessed among all women. You're like... You're going to get the promise. You're the select one that's going to give birth to the ultimate king. God himself is going to be born through you and give his life to this world. And Mary's like, no, I'm not worthy. And they're like, no, but you're chosen anyway. And she begins this journey where she's pregnant and gives birth to this baby in a manger, in a stable away from home. And she's not even married when this happens. She has like a teenage dude next to her named Joseph. And they're promised to like get married one day, but they're not married. And everybody believes it's Joseph's child. So there's a lot of shame involved in that. But they have faith in God. They put their trust in him. And they're just kind of walking this out. Now, I can imagine that if you were Mary and Joseph, you would think, hey, God, we're on this ride that you started. We're doing the thing that you've asked us to do. We feel really blessed to do that. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And the last thing you might anticipate happening is to get a bunch of trouble dumped into your lap. I mean, can you just think about it for a second? They're like, in one sense, being ushered by God, led by God, and yet real trouble is coming their way. Real difficulty. I mean, the powers that be in cahoots with the Roman army are after you. I bet the last thing on Mary and Joseph's mind when they agreed to do God's plan was that challenges would come their way. I bet the last thing they thought was, yes, God will do this. And then when you get ready, uh, go ahead and just dump a bunch of challenges in our lap. Dump a bunch of trouble upon us. I bet they thought that if they said yes to God's plan, that it would go pretty well for them. I bet they thought that if they said yes to God's plan, it would be a series of steps, forward motion, up and to the right, everything would go well for them. And yet that is not at all what happened. In fact, in your Bible, most of the stories that we know, most of the verses we quote, most of your favorite passages, they don't come from a situation where everything was up and to the right for the people involved. They don't come from a situation where everything was great and grand and glorious. 
Most of our favorite passages, most of the stories that really resonate happen in a time of conflict and challenge. They happen in the middle of difficulties. I mean, look, for instance, at verse 16. I'm sorry, verse 19. Verse 19 of of Matthew chapter 2. Here's what it says. After Herod died, years later, like they've been in Egypt for a while. An angel of the Lord appeared again in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, and he said, now get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Years passed while Mary and Joseph, holding God in flesh, are in hiding in Egypt. Do you know what Egypt represents? It represents the place of slavery. In their history, Egypt was a bad place. The last thing they wanted to do was be held up in some God-forsaken country, they thought. Or at least it would be easy to think that way. Uh, distant from their relatives, distant from their life, distant from any of the hope and promise that they thought they were holding in their arms. It would be real easy for them to be down on themselves. Now, we don't know emotionally where they were. All we know is that the difficulties and the challenges were piled up high. There were very real threats at the first Christmases. I mean, when Jesus came to this world, it was a time of difficulty for a lot of people. And I know that this Christmas season, there are a lot of folks in this room, in our city, down at the Smoky Mountain Children's Home, in Kerala, India. They have real challenges. What is God up to? What's really going on? If you could peel back the curtains, read the script that God is playing from, what is he really doing? Well, luckily, we're not left to wonder about that in this Christmas story. Did you know that there are two places in your Bible where the Christmas story is told very directly? Matthew and Luke. Four stories of Jesus, Matthew and Luke tell the stories. But there's a third place, way near the end of your New Testament. In Revelation chapter 12, that tells the story of Christmas from a very different perspective. It doesn't tell the story of Christmas from Herod's perspective or from Mary and Joseph's perspective or even from the perspective of the child. In fact, the story isn't told from any earthly perspective whatsoever. The story is told as if you and I had a front row seat in heaven looking down onto the earth. It's a story told from God's perspective from a spiritual perspective of what's going on. And I think in these words, when we compare Matthew chapter 2 to Revelation chapter 12, I think that there's a couple of truths that just jump out, that literally spring from the pages that can impact, that should impact, that needs to impact our Christmas this year. Revelation chapter 12. Now, if you've been around this church for a while, you know that we don't, get into the middle of the debates about how things are going to end up and, you know, what's going to happen first and what's the order. And we certainly don't debate when the time is that it's all going to wrap up this world. We we, we don't do that. But we, because Revelation is in our Bible, it's a part of God's word, we honor it. We do what the book says. We revere its word. We take it to heart. We keep its word. And the Bible says, if you do that with the book of Revelation, that there's blessing that comes your way. And today, as your pastor... I want you to know the blessing of this truth. So let's read the story of Christmas from a spiritual perspective for just a moment. Revelation 
chapter 12. Here's what it says. Now, you have to understand real quick, by the way, there's gonna be a lot of metaphor and imagery here, right? Metaphor and imagery. So from like a heavenly perspective, not on earth, what's going on? Here's what it says. A great sign appeared in heaven. By the way, that is similar to the language that the Magi had just used. We saw his star rise, right? A great sign appeared in heaven. And then it says, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. All right, so this is like, 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 it's not like a normal earthly woman, right? This is like a special deal. She's got the radiance of the sun. She shines in the night. She's got 12 stars over her head, 12 divisions of the nation of Israel, all right? She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven. This is where like it gets PG-13 for just a second because the violence, you know, level is about to kick up. It says, an enormous red dragon. Okay, now we're talking. This is good, right? An enormous red dragon with <laughs> seven heads. Yes, seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its heads. And its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. This is a powerful dragon. Hmm. And the dragon stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth so that it might devour her child at the moment it was born. You get the sense of the drama here? Can, can, can you, in your mind's eye, can you, can you see it? Like there's something about to happen. This woman's about to give birth and then there's an opposing force wanting to take it out. Doesn't want that thing to come into this world. Doesn't want life to be breathed into its lung. Wants to snuff away its potential. Verse five. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, power, might. And her child was snatched up to God and his throne protected. And the woman fled to the wilderness, to a place prepared to her, uh, for her by God where she might be taken care of for, and it says, 1,260 days for a time period, for, for a good while. Now, if you and I had a ring seat in heaven, like, like front row seats, as the Magi story was being played out, this is what we would have seen in our spiritual eyes. Now, why am I taking time to tell you this story? One is, I want you to see something about God. And I want you to see something about your life that may not sound all that profound when it comes out of my mouth. And yet it is the, one of the most profound truths of Christmas. That if you could grab it and put it inside here, it would make a radical change, I believe. And the way we do this season, it might make a radical change in the way you do every day the rest of your life. See, I wonder if you could have listened to Mary and Joseph's conversations, like while it was going down, when Joseph woke up that first night and he says, you're never gonna believe the dream I, gotta ha I just had. We gotta get out of here. We gotta pack up and go. I wonder if we could have heard their conversations, if we might would have heard a little bit of fear, potentially. I, I don't know. A little bit of anxiety, certainly a sense of rush, maybe. I wonder if they took time to remember and quote to themselves their favorite passages. We don't know. None of that is known to us. But I know what I hear regularly when people come and chat with me about their challenges. It's as if their minds are totally focused on what's going on right in front of them. I've got a job situation, Ben, and it's like large in my life. And 
Everything in my life is like hinged on this job situation. That's really like all they can see. I've got an illness, Pastor. And it's like, you know, if God doesn't intervene, they'll say, like, we don't know where this is going to take us. And, and it's like all they can see. In fact, it begins to loom large over every detail of their life. Understandable. I'm having a problem with my child. And, and like, they're wayward. And like, like a prodigal child. And I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm having difficulties in our marriage. And I understand, you understand, why it is that we look at our challenges and they seem so big to us. Sometimes it's all we can see. But let me let, me, let, me let you in on a truth. God gave us a third story of Christmas from a heavenly perspective to remind us that what we see here and now isn't all that is going on. It's not. There is a script for your life. And from this earthly perspective, it looks very much like what's going on in your life, in the details, in the nitty-gritty, in the ups and downs, and in the challenges. But there is a subscript of your life that rarely gets read by us. And it's a script that is written from the perspective of heaven. It is deeply spiritual, and it matters so much more. It is, in fact, I believe, if it's possible, more true than the script that we see from this perspective. It is at least larger. It at least has more far-reaching implications. It is deeply spiritual. It very much has God a part of what's going on. It very much has God as the author and the controller of all things. And yet sometimes, because our challenges are so big from our perspective, we don't even see or consider that other perspective. It looked like Herod was just wanting to kill a potential threat to his throne. We're told from a spiritual perspective that there is this massive evil force that wants to devour God's very gift to this world. There is a drama that is huge in this situation. And there is a spiritual drama that is massive and huge going on in your life. And I wonder, when was the last time you stopped to consider what might be going on behind the scenes in your life? What might be at stake in your life right now that you don't even know is going on? I mean, nowhere in Matthew or Luke do we read about a seven-headed dragon with ten horns or Ten horns, I, I don't know if it's ten heads, I don't know. But nowhere do we read this with a massive crazy tail. It like, and yet that's exactly the weight of what's going on. There is a drama that was bigger than Mary and Joseph. It was bigger than Herod. It was a drama that was being writ on the stage of the entire world, both heaven and nature. Let me let you know something very clear exactly what's happening in your life as well. It is. I mean, the Bible stories are clear that every time somebody gets focused on what's going on here and can only see what's going on here, every passage in the Bible bears this out. There's another side of the coin. There's another situation. And there is a battle royale for your soul, for your life. And it matters infinitely more than just the details you see here and now. 
It's a spiritual script running in the background that because we're focused here, we don't see. God gave us the gift of Christmas to remind us all that his plans and his purposes and his ways are so much bigger. They're truer than what we see here and now. What this means practically, if I can just boil it down for a second, is like you might be in a situation like having problems with your siblings and wondering like, God, how are you going to work out the family thing as we get together this holiday season? God would like to remind you that beyond the challenges going on with your siblings, you could be in a situation kind of like Joseph in the Bible. I mean, I bet you've had challenges in your, pro- in your family, but I bet you've never had your siblings stand over you as you were in a pit buried in the ground, like Old Testament, Old Testament Joseph, where your siblings stood above you as you were in the pit saying, should we kill him or sell him into slavery? Now, you may have had problems in your family, but I bet they don't go that far. And you might think, I got problems with my kids. Let me tell you about somebody in the Bible that had problems with their kids. King David. His son rose up and said, I'm going to embarrass my father. I'm going to sleep with his concubines on the roof of the palace, and everybody will see it. Now, you might have challenges with your kids, but I bet they don't run that far. He raised an army, went out against his dad. What was going on in David's situation? Was there only a throne at stake? No, no, no. There's a story being written. There's a story being written in your life. And whatever you're facing this Christmas, siblings, kids, problems with your children, problems in your job, problems with your health, there is another side of the coin I'd like for you to consider for just a few moments. And it matters infinitely more than the details you see here and now. There is an enemy of your soul who is crouched and ready to devour you. He is. We don't have to talk about him much. And he's not the focus of our worry. He's not the focus of our energies. Our God, who's much more powerful, is the focus of those things. That's why we come here and praise our God instead of like talk at the devil, right? We don't do that sort of stuff around here. But the truth of the matter is, is that whatever's going on in your life, it could, if you let it, it could like wipe you out, take you out of the deal. Or you can, like every story of the Bible, focus on the other side of the coin where there is a God who is there, who's watching and involved And while the enemy is crouched and ready to devour, there's a God who says, I'm going to shelter and protect. And he takes the woman and he puts her in the wilderness and he hides her for just the right amount of time. From the woman's perspective, it must have felt terrible. I mean, to be in Egypt. And yet she was very much right where God wanted her to be. There's a verse in the Bible that like speaks to me over and over and over again. It's found in your New Testament. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says this. And we know, and we know, we know, like, like we know. We got it. It's established. It's rooted. The thing isn't changing. And we know that all things work together. All things, not some of the things, all the things work together for the benefit of those who love God, 
It's one of those anchor verses that tends to bring nature and heaven together, earth and spiritual together. It reminds us there's a God at work behind the scenes. It reminds us that his plan and purpose for you is good. It speaks louder if we let it than the circumstances around us. It speaks more truth into us. And we know that all things work together for the good, for the benefit of those who love God. I don't know what you're facing this holiday season. And you might like want to run one of two rails, like you know, fun and frivolity, or like a, a detachment from all the stuff that's going on. Today, I want to invite you to experience a knowing, a knowing that there is a God who is at work in your life. That means you're not alone. That means whatever it is that's looming large in your life right now, he's aware. That means whatever forces are strategized against you to do you in, to do in your marriage, to do in your kids, to do in your potential, it means that you're not alone in fighting those. It's a God who wrapped up his son as the greatest gift this world has ever seen and sent him to earth. And that son lived an experience not completely unique from us, but he was tempted and experienced all things like us. He knows what it feels like. And he prepared for us a life with him so that we don't have to see just this side. And it's a game changer. It's a hope bringer. (laughs) It's a joy grower. It's what causes Paul to write in his letters to the churches that even when we go through sorrow, we don't sorrow like other people. We don't sorrow like people who don't have any hope. We sorrow, even in the middle of our worst, we sorrow as if hope is alive. Because we're not just reading the story that we see. We're listening to the backtrack playing loud in our lives. And if there's anything that this Christmas season God's Spirit wants to do in your life, it's to remind you that there is a spiritual side to your life. And there's a God who's standing watch over you. And he hasn't forgotten. And his might and power is greater than any force staged against you. I don't know exactly how to live in the tension of that. All I know is that for most of us, we need to turn up the volume. That's why, just pastor moment for just a second. That's why, like, for me, it's a big deal for me personally to stay in God's word. That's why it's a big deal for me to come here regularly, not because just I get paid, but because in this environment, I'm reminded of the other side of the coin. That's why in this Christmas season, I'm gonna do all I can to suck all the joy out of it. I'm going to go to every party. I'm going to open every gift. I'm going to buy every present, take care of wrapping it, and I'm going to suck out all the joy. And I'm also going to remember that there's another side to this story of life about a God who is in charge, who though the enemy is crouched to devour, God will put up a standard against him. And that standard will hold. And I want to know that in a way that affects my everyday life. I want you to know it too. I want you to come and sing Christmas songs and let the spiritual truth of those things 
Go down deep. I want you to look at the circumstances going on in your life right now. The people who don't like you, the people that are against you, the challenges, the sickness, the marriage, the job, whatever. And I want you to know that whatever it is you're seeing isn't the whole story. You and I serve an incredible God who is powerful and strong. And we're connected to a babe born in a manger, a savior on a cross, an empty tomb, and a and a risen Lord sitting on a golden throne who has all the power and all the might to bring all the agendas of the nations together under his. Would you do this? Would you grab out your connect card? And let's talk about a few things we can do together to take some steps. Hey, you might be here today and saying, Ben, I hear you, but I don't like, it's like elusive to me. I, I don't know. And it could be that maybe you haven't begun a relationship with Jesus yet. You don't have a personal connection to him. I'm going to ask you to consider for just a moment here whether or not you want to, next step A, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life for the first time. If you'd like to do that as an act of your faith saying, God, I don't really understand it all, but I want what Ben talks about. I want like a relationship with a God who's in charge like that. You can check the box. If you'll do that and put that in the offering bucket when it comes by later, we'll send you some information that you can read over and we'll connect you with the person. If you want to talk with a live person, like what, what it really means to be in a relationship with a God like the one I described. Some of you probably need to be baptized. You can check this box if you want. We're having baptism next Sunday. Don't miss. Right, and then next step C. I don't know how you need to do this, but I want to make some time to focus on the spiritual realities around me. Now listen. I didn't say get somber. I didn't say get serious. I'm saying let the spiritual realities produce in you a joy that what you see going on right now is not all that there is. That there's another script that is larger and louder. And if you need, like me, to be reminded of that in a time like this, why don't you check the box and let's get our eyes on heavenly things and God things and not just what's going on around us. Next step, D. This is a way of making sure that the joy busts through, all right? I'm carving out some intentional fun time with my family or friends. Listen, we sing joy to the world, not as a Christmas carol, but as an anthem of our soul. And it's joy that's supposed to lighten the face. Literally, the, the biblical imagery is he's the lifter of our head. We're no longer downcast. The spiritual reality speak into our lives and it lifts our heads. It changes our face. Make some time and celebrate yeah, celebrate from an earthly perspective, but celebrate in your celebrating what God's doing in the world and in your life that maybe you have forgotten or haven't thought about in a while. All right, and the next step E, I'm inviting someone with me to the Christmas Eve Eve service at the underground. This is the time where we're gonna invite everybody in the room to lift their heads, look at Jesus and consider what his plans for them are over the next few years and for eternity. So I want you to invite your friends and your family to that. Would you pray with me right now? Oh, Lord Jesus, God, I am so grateful for your word that you saw fit to carve out not just what was going on from an earthly perspective. You saw fit to carve out for us the spiritual script running in the background. And to show us, Lord, you pulled back the curtains. Now, God, I pray that by your spirit, you would do something that I can't do. That you would give us a glimpse, Lord, in this room of the spiritual script playing in our lives. 
whatever is in front of us, Lord, that might be looming larger or louder, you would quiet those things for just a moment. And you would let us see a God who is present, a God who is there, a God who is certain in uncertain times. And you would help us to know, Lord, that all things work together for the benefit of those who love you. God, I lift up those people in this room who are making decisions to follow you today with their lives for the first time. God, I lift up those who need to be focused so much on you that it speaks joy into their life. God, I pray that this holiday season, people would see in us a joy that surpasses our circumstances and understanding. It goes very deep inside of us to the core of who we are, to the core truths of what you are, what you mean to this world. I pray it in the powerful and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen.